0: Well, hello, welcome to Vaughn Forest. It's great to see all of you on our campus. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name's Adam, one of the pastors here. Glad you're here. Week two of a teaching series called Hidden Christmas. Super grateful to Chad Boak, who did such an awesome job kicking off this series uh, last week. And if you're new to Vaughn Force, one of the things we like to do, sometimes during the Christmas season, is we'll take a book and we'll kind of let that be a guide for us in our teaching series. And so obviously we don't come in here and regurgitate Uh, the information from the book, but we do find some themes in the book that we like, and then we unpack them biblically in here on Sundays, and then we encourage you to pick up the book during the Christmas season, and that's true for this year. The book Hidden Christmas is written by Tim Keller. It's a great book. We talked a lot about it on our podcast uh, last week, and I would encourage you to pick that book up um, this Christmas season. So I'm excited to kind of pick it up today in week two. There are some message notes inside your bulletin. If you're here on our campus, if you're joining us online, um, you can access those message notes right here at Vaughn. Forest.com. And I'm excited to get to share with you today. But before we get to that, I'm excited to celebrate a few things. So I hope it's okay. We're going to take a minute. We're going to celebrate some things um, happening in the life of our church. So the first thing I want to celebrate is we are in the middle of our special Christmas offering. And maybe you're just hearing about this. You've been traveling a little bit uh, for the first time. Our special Christmas offering is our Now is the Time special Christmas offering. The goal is $200,000 between now and the end of January. Now, we kick this Off a couple of weeks ago. And again, if you're new to Vaughn Forest, let me kind of give you the why behind the what. Once a year, we take a couple of months, mid November to the end of January, we challenge everybody who calls Vaughn Forest their church home to sacrificially give above and beyond regular tithes of offerings to a special offering. And here's why it stretches our faith. Here's why when we give sacrificially in a supernatural way, our faith grows. You see, God is more concerned ultimately about not necessarily where our money is going to, as much as where it comes from, he says, it's an issue of our heart. And when we give sacrificially, God strengthens our relationship with Him at a heart level. And it's sacrificial. And so a lot of our church family right now is considering praying, hey God, what would you have our family to give? And if you haven't started that prayer yet, let me encourage you to do so. But then there is a practical side that the special offering goes to support five ministry initiatives in 2023. So I just want to review those real quickly, because again, you may be seeing this for the first time. Our first initiative, now is the time to launch a special Needs ministry here at Vaughn Forest Church. We have a space that we've already chosen. We're outfitting that space. Many of you are signing up to serve in this new ministry area. We're going to launch it at the end of January, early February, and we believe God is calling us to step into this need and minister in a specific way to many of the families here in the River Region. And we're going to be doing that in a new year. Super excited about that. Second initiative now is the time to upgrade some of our preschool rooms and our fourth and fifth grade life group rooms in our next generation ministry environment. Fourth and fifth graders keep inviting their friends to church, which is awesome, except for they've outgroomed the rooms that we have for them. So our children's ministry is set up that during the large group time, what's presented is then discussed put into practice grounded, if you will, during their discussions. And that's hard to do when there's too many of them in a room. So we have some other rooms on our campus that are larger that we're going in now, and we're making them look really cool. I mean, they're going to be awesome for fourth and fifth graders. They're going to help facilitate these life-changing discussions. And so they'll be able to start using those at the end of January. Really excited about that. Third initiative, now is the time to continue facility improvements and upgrades with technology. Quite simply, we just need to upgrade some of our technology. And thankfully, people who are smarter than me know what upgrades we need. Technology is not one of my strengths, but we've got an amazing team here, and that is their strength. And we have a large online presence. Those of you who attend here on our campus, you may not always be aware of that. We got people attending every single week. And so if you're joining us online, you're part of our Vaughn Forest family. Whether you're online or whether you're on campus, we wanna continue to minister to you and help foster community through this unique online community. The other thing that's recently happened, super fired up about this, Our worship services have become the worship services for some house churches that are in other parts of the world where it's not, the gospel is not necessarily um, celebrated there, if you will. And so God's just kind of opened that door um, in his sovereign way. And we want to step through that. And that's going to require some other technology, again, that I don't fully understand, but it'll allow us to continue to minister and serve. Pretty exciting. Fourth initiative, now is the time to continue to serve the communities of Pike Road in East Montgomery with no strings attached. That's our way of saying, we wanna show you the love of Jesus and we're not asking for anything in return. So whether that's at our local schools, whether that's partnering with other uh, things in our community, this church was planted 28 years ago to reach the community of East Montgomery. It was just then beginning to grow and certainly over the last 28 years has certainly done that. In the last five years, the community of Pike Road has begun to experience exponential growth to where now it's one of the fastest growing communities in the entire state state of Alabama. And our church is literally located in the perfect location to reach both groups of people. In fact, if we were a mile further east, our church would have a Pike Road address. And so God in his sovereignty placed Vaughn Forest Church here 28 years ago to reach a bunch of people who were going to move in the first 28 years, and I believe a bunch more people are going to continue to move here. And we're going to show them the love of Jesus. Now, why do we do that with no strings attached? Because it's oftentimes when we serve people who are far from God that those walls that they've built up around their heart begin to come down. And so we're gonna step into that with partnering with schools. We're gonna step into that with partnering with other organizations. I'm really excited about that um, in this new year. And then our fifth initiative, now is the time to answer our for such a time as this call with Roe versus Wade being overturned in our lifetime. Quite simply, in the new year, there are gonna be a lot of men and women who are walking through the anxiety and the unknown and the fear of an unplanned pregnancy. And we wanna be the people of God to step into that need and meet them right where they're at. Love of Jesus, no strings attached. We're partnering with a number of organizations here in the River Region to practically go about doing that. In fact, we're gonna take a Sunday in January where we'll introduce you to a lot of those ministry partners. They'll be here on our campus. We'll be interviewing them. You'll be able to visit with them in the lobby. And basically what we're saying in this season is, hey, God, our yes is on the table. Now show us where the needs are. And so we already know of a few. We know that in Montgomery County, there is a need for more families to be foster families, foster parents. Therefore, we're gonna offer training for that, partnering with Montgomery County during the month of January. And for some of you, that's the step you're gonna think, you're gonna believe God's leading you to take. We also have some ministries that already exist where we come alongside foster families to support them, encourage them. Many of you will begin to join those ministries. Some of you are gonna pray about adopting. God's going to lay that on your heart in the new year. And that's going to be an exciting season to walk through. And so I'm excited to see how God's going to do this. Again, this is not a one church thing, right? We're partnering with a lot of different entities to go about uh, meeting this need for such a time as this. So again, if you haven't already, begin to pray. How would God have you be a part of this? It's going to be exciting. We'll keep you posted and updated along the way um, with where we are with that offering. Let me tell you the second thing I'm a little excited about today. That's next Sunday. So next Sunday is our Vaughn Forest Christmas party. Now, if you've never, Experience the Vaughn Forest Christmas party, there are camels on our campus. We let them run wild in the lobby. It's amazing. We do not do that, okay? They are on our campus. We keep them outside. So there's camels, donkeys, sheep, the whole gang is there. Everybody that you would expect to be there at a nativity scene, they're there. It's in a safe space. We have like a fence or a gate or something around them. Although one year a camel did get loose and run wild in the lobby. That's another, not the lobby, the parking lot. That would have been crazy. He was cut loose. That's neither here nor there. I digress. Next Sunday that won't happen it'll be safe we'll keep them in a secure pen. it's going to be fun we got a lot of things planned for the kids we're going to have professional photographers here now right now today you can get your picture made out in the lobby we've got all these photo booths set up but like that's just me or Chad holding your smartphone next Sunday is for real like we got real photographers with real cameras and it's going to be a nice picture you want to get that and the fun thing about this is all this is happening while we do our regular services so you can get here maybe about 9, 9.15. You can have some fun, do a lot of different things. We'll still do 9.30. We'll still do 11. We're going to do some celebrating in our worship services. I've got a little something we're going to show you next week. I think it's going to blow your mind. It's going to be awesome. So it's going to be a really good day to be here. It's also going to be a really good day to invite your friends. So we do this once a year. Be thinking about who you can invite next Sunday Christmas party. The next thing I'm excited about, I told you I want to celebrate a lot today, is our Christmas Eve service, okay? It's a family-friendly Christmas Eve candlelight service, obviously December 24th, which is a Saturday. We're doing it at 4 o'clock. Doing it a little earlier this year. So you may have some things you need to get to, big family meal, maybe you got little ones, you wanna get them in bed early. I know the drill. I remember that season of life very well when ours were super little. And we're doing a family friendly. What do I mean by that? I mean, obviously every church has family friendly services. What we mean by that is we want you to bring your kids with you. If you've got babies, if you've got preschoolers, if you've got that three-year-old that you can't keep track of, this is a big room. He can run around everywhere. It'll be great, okay? We're super laid back. We might even give him a candle on fire just a what happens okay so we're super laid back with christmas eve we want our whole church family to be in one room together and here's why we have dozens of volunteers every single week with the babies with the crawlers the walkers and the preschoolers and if we ask them hey would y'all send back there and hold those so we can have a, a little bit more formal christmas eve service they would do it but they'd miss out man, I want our whole church family together. This is the only time of year we get to do this. So we got this big old room. We have two services. We got hundreds of people serving all over the campus, all over the community. We never all get together at once, except for Christmas Eve. So we will fill this room up. If you've never been here for Christmas Eve service, it's awesome. We will have candles. It's one of my favorite things to see every year when we light those candles and we sing. It's gonna be amazing. So if you haven't already made plans, please make plans to be here. We're gonna do something for the kids um, in the service that night. My wife, Morgan, our kids minister, myself, We're going to do something for them. It's going to be a really fun evening, so make sure you have that on your calendar. And y'all, that's just right around the corner, okay? I don't know if you know this, Christmas is three weeks from today. Can you believe that? Oh, boy, some of y'all just got real anxious, okay? Let's bring it back together, deep breath, okay? But it's right around the corner, all right? So Christmas Eve is about to be here. And then let me tell you about our holiday schedule, okay? Okay. So since Christmas Eve is on a Saturday, we're all gonna be up here at four o'clock. The following day, that Sunday, we're not gonna have services here on our campus. And here's why, it's a thank you to the hundreds of volunteers that make Vaughn Forest Church happen. Compared to the size of our church, we have a very small team that the ministry team, as formal team, pastors and staff. What makes Vaughn Forest happen are all the volunteers, hundreds, whether it's production, whether it's uh, worship, guest services, children's ministry, student ministry. And we want to say thank you by allowing those volunteers to spend Christmas morning at home with their families. That's the only reason we're not gonna have services up here on our campus is just simply to say thank you to them. But we are gonna post a devotion Christmas morning, probably around six thirty seven 7 a.m. We'll go ahead and get it up on our website. And it's just gonna be me sharing from my heart a devotion tied to what does it really mean to receive the gift that's offered ultimately to us At Christmas. And so my desire would be that you spend some time as a family opening gifts and celebrating and thinking about the gift that Jesus Christ really is for all of us at Christmas, and then cut on the devotion and let it be a blessing to you in your life. The following Sunday, January 1st, 9.30 only. So y'all at the 11 o'clock service, like you gotta come here a little earlier that day, okay? 9.30 service, one big combined service. We will have nursery, we will have preschool, but our elementary ministry and our student ministry won't meet that day. We want y'all to bring the kids in here with you. It's gonna be a fun service. it will be a pretty full room and it will be online. So if you're out of town, or you're traveling, um, you could still join us online that day, 9.30 only. And then back on January 8th, everything will be up and running like usual. I know that's a lot to throw at you, but we're gonna put that out in our weekly shout out. We'll talk about it on the podcast. We'll put it on our website. We've still got a few weeks, but I wanted to make sure you kind of already have that on your radar and excited to walk through this Christmas season with you. Finally, one last thing to celebrate. This is so fired I'm so excited about this, okay? We have been in a student pastor search since June. And back in June, we decided we want to take our time. We then met with a lot of parents, families who have teenagers in our student ministry, met with a lot of our students, and we all just agreed, hey, let's take our time. Like, let's prayerfully go through this process and not get in a hurry and ask God to be clear with us about who he would have come join us our team. And about a month ago, we had a candidate on our campus with his wife. He taught the students that morning. He met with a lot of our leaders, met with some parents, met with our governance board. And God has been super clear in this process, not just to us as the leadership, not just to our students, but also to he and his wife as well, that God is calling him to join our team. His name is Matt Aldridge. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about when he'll be joining our team in just a minute. But he and his wife, Jesse sat down this week and recorded a quick little video um, to share with you and our service. So take a look at this video what's up, church? I'm Matt. I'm Jesse, and we're the Aldridge's. We are so excited to come alongside and serve you guys as the next student pastor at Vaughn Forest Church. We actually got the chance to be with you guys a couple weekends ago, and we loved every moment of that. And we really, really, really enjoy getting to spend time with your students and the really awesome adult leaders there at Vaughn Forest. Uh, We've continued to pray through this process, and we're so excited to see what's happening in the Pike Road and Montgomery area, and we are really just blessed and grateful to come alongside you guys and what you guys are doing in that area. If we haven't got a chance to meet you, we really look forward to getting to be a part of your lives and to start doing ministry with you guys. Uh, But all in all, man, we are just so excited to, again, join you guys at Vaughn Forest Church, and we can't wait to see you guys. We'll see you soon. So Matt is super energetic. You guys are gonna love getting to know him. His wife, Jesse is awesome. And uh, he's starting December 15th, which is really soon. So his first Sunday will be December 18th, two weeks from today. So you'll have the chance to meet him. We'll bring he and Jesse out on stage. They'll be in the lobby. You can come by, talk to them, introduce them. And so we're just so grateful that God has been faithful to answer our prayer. So be in prayer for them. Um, They're moving down from Gadsden. They've got a house to sell. They've got to find somewhere to live here. And any of you who have moved know the stress that can go with that. So just be in prayer for them in this season, and then we're excited to see what God's going to do through Matt's leadership in the new year and our student ministry, okay? So lots of fun things to celebrate. Um, God is just doing an amazing work in our church, and it's exciting to get to do this with you together. Now, let's talk about the message today, okay? So we're going to talk about, we're going to be in Luke chapter one, and we're going to talk about Mary's dilemma. What is Mary's dilemma? She finds out she's pregnant and she's a virgin. Can I give you the word for that? Dilemma. But aren't we so familiar with the story that sometimes we miss that? It's like, of course she's a virgin. I mean, that's the Christmas story. But if we really dive into the text today in Luke chapter one, I think that we can see some things, title of the series, that before may have been hidden. But it's not until we really look at it with fresh eyes and go, wait a second. Like, there's a lot going on there. That's really a dilemma. So we're going to be in Luke 1. If you've got a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we'll put all the verses up here for you on the screen. And what we're going to do is we're just going to move through this passage. We're going to make some observations. We're going to make some applications. And I think you're going to leave encouraged today. So let's kind of get this started. This passage from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So let's pause there for a second. This is Luke framing the entire story about with, that we're about to look at. The framing of it is Elizabeth's pregnancy. So there's foreshadowing happening here. When you see that in the Bible, like okay, well, why, why would he frame it that way? So who's Elizabeth? Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. She's pregnant. Her husband's name is Zechariah. And I need you to kind of log that in your, in your memory bank here for a second. Zechariah, we're gonna come back to him in just a second. So Zechariah and Elizabeth are pregnant with their son, John who will later become John the Baptist. Now, if you're new to the Bible, John the Baptist, when he grew up, he wore camel's fur, he ate locust and honey, and he hung out in the woods. You would not let your kids hang out with John the Baptist, okay? He would not be running a children's ministry at a church, okay? Not exactly a dude that, it's like, well, he's kind of a unique character. And yet Jesus says, no one's been greater than John. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Same John, okay? So Elizabeth... Pregnant with John, six months into her pregnancy. That's how this whole story is gonna be set up. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So we're off and running with our passage. Let me give you the big idea that we're going to unpack today from this conversation. Mary's conversations, if you're taking notes, I'm going to get you to jot this down. Mary's conversation with Gabriel demonstrates how most people respond to the good news of Jesus. What we just read said that Gabriel was sent. We're about to study the conversation Gabriel the angel has with Mary. Now, what is Gabriel bringing to Mary? Good news. And the good news is that Mary is going to be the mother of Jesus Christ. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus is stepping out of heaven and he's stepping down to earth. The good news is that Jesus then lived a perfect life and that matters. But see, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross would not have been sufficient had he sinned, but he didn't sin. He did it. He met God's perfect law, God's perfect standard. So the good news is that when Jesus died on the cross, his sacrifice was sufficient, It covered all sin. It covered all time. And see, the good news then is that the tomb couldn't hold Jesus. He defeated death through the resurrection. And that matters because the only person who can offer you eternal life is the person who's defeated death. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way back to God. All of that is good news. In fact, the word gospel literally means good news. And you would think that when you read Luke chapter one, that Gabriel bringing Mary such good news would lead to a particular response. But as we read the story today, what we're gonna see is that's not the case. And what we're gonna be encouraged by today is that Mary's response to Gabriel all these years later, here we are in the 21st century, is indicative of many people's response when they hear the good news of the gospel message. So really today's message, while we're going to study Mary and the conversation she has with Gabriel, is more about what does it mean to share our faith? Part of being a Christ follower is that we share our faith. But see, here's what I've discovered. Sharing our faith can be intimidating. It can be scary. It can be something that we feel like we should do, but we're often not sure how to do it. We know there are people in our lives that are far from God. We Care about them. We want to share our faith with them, but we don't want to offend them. We don't want to hurt the friendship or relationship. How are we supposed to go about doing that? What I think we're going to see from the story today is some insight into how to go about doing that simply from how Mary responds. So let's jump back into the passage. We'll start moving our way, making our way through it and jotting down some applications. So we'll pick it back up in verse 28. The angel, so Gabriel, Gabriel went to Mary and said, Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So let's leave this up here for a second because we're going to talk about it. So Gabriel says the Lord is with you, and yet Mary's response is to feel troubled. That's interesting. But the word I really want to focus on is where it says she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So when we understand what this word really means, kind of in the original Greek language, what it was written it's not wondering in the sense that she's daydreaming. It's not wondering in the sense that her mind is wandering. It's wondering in the sense of almost like an investigative journalist, someone who wants to dig into the details, someone who wants to try to figure out what's actually happening here. It says that Mary is wondering, okay? So she doesn't just automatically go, okay, cool. Like you're an angel. You're telling me that I'm favored. This is awesome. She really wants to begin to figure out, like, what are you saying here? What are you trying to tell me? So if you're taking notes today, let me ask you to jot this down. It's kind of the first principle we see from this. Oh, before you jot that down, we've got to unpack some doubt. So let's unpack this doubt because I did tell you a second ago, I want you to remember Zechariah. So when when Mary when it says that Mary was wondering, what it's really implying is she's not fully accepting the message that's been given to her. Earlier in Luke chapter one, an angel visits Zechariah. Y'all remember who he is, right? We had a little review here, okay? The angel visits Zechariah and says, Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth is pregnant and Elizabeth doubts that this is true. And because of that, he can't talk for nine months. Now this is great for Elizabeth, not so much for Zechariah. He doesn't get to talk for nine months. So what's happening there? One guy doubts, he doesn't get to talk for nine months. Mary kind of doubting. And all of a sudden that doesn't happen. Well, if we understand what's happening, there's two different kinds of doubt. Zechariah is basically saying this can't be. Evidence of a closed mind. Whereas Mary's doubt, her wondering, her inquisitive nature, her sense to discover is evidence of an open mind. And I think it's important for us to decipher and distinguish and discern that there are different types of doubt. Sometimes you can talk to somebody about faith and they just put up a wall like Zechariah, No way. Other times people may not just jump at it right away. They might actually have some questions like Mary. So here's the principle I want you to jot down. Mary responds with reason and consideration rather than instantaneous acceptance. That's her response. And somewhere along the way, a lot of us were led to believe that when we share our faith, the person we're sharing our faith with should respond with instantaneous acceptance. Oh, thank you for clarifying that. Thank you for sharing that. I want to pray to receive Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what's more likely to happen? someone respond with consideration and that's a good thing that they're open to it but they might actually have some questions and we don't need to separate faith and reason see our faith is founded upon a fact it's not a blind faith we are saved by grace through faith it is a faith decision but we're not asking people to just blindly place their faith in jesus And sometimes people can think that we believe in Jesus like some people believe in unicorns. And it's like, I don't understand how you could reach that conclusion. And the good thing for us is there's lots of evidence out there to back up what we believe. So if you have people in your life who they don't necessarily just jump at something right away, they've got some critical thinking skills. They wanna ask some questions. They wanna reason their way through things. Let me recommend a great book called The Case for Christ. It's a fantastic book that helps people walk through that Process. I'm super grateful that the author released recently, in the last several years, The Case for Christ for Kids. We have that book in our home. Sam, our 13-year-old, has a copy of that book. Jacob, our 11-year-old, has a copy of that book. And they've read that, and we've discussed that. Why? Because I want them to recognize from an early age that when they place their faith in Jesus Christ, it's not a blind faith. It's based on evidence. I don't want their faith to be a faith just because dad was a pastor and told him to believe in Jesus. I want them to make that decision for their own. And it is a faith decision, but it can be guided by reason, guided by consideration, guided by an inquisitive nature that Mary demonstrates in this conversation that when people do that with us, sometimes we don't know how to respond, okay? And what I want you to see is that's a very normal response when they're confronted with the good news of the gospel message. Let's jump back into our story. We'll pick it back up in verse 30. The angel said to her, again, conversation, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. I mean, it's pretty big stuff. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the part where Mary goes, incredible. Incredible. That's so amazing. Thank you, Gabriel, for spelling this out so clearly. This is the response I would think Mary would have. Look what she says. How can this be? I mean, even after an explanation like that, how can this be? And here's why Mary says, how can this be? Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Which is a very legit question to ask. I mean, it doesn't matter what the explanation is. Mary's like, there's a problem here that I don't see how we get through. No explanation is going to help me just instantaneously go, yes. Okay, so what's happening there? Here's the second principle I want you to jot down from this conversation. Mary responds in a gradual process rather than a one-time decision. Every time it looks like Gabriel's closing the conversation, Mary asks another question. I mean, every time it looks like Gabriel's kind of laying it all out. He's kind of tying up all the loose ends. Mary just asks another question. What's she doing there? She's engaging him in a conversation because she's showing her level of acceptance is going to actually be a process. And somewhere along the way, we've lost sight of that when it comes to sharing our faith. When you share your faith with someone, there might be a one-time decision where you share your faith and they respond. But most people make decisions in process and we actually think there's some wisdom to that. I mean, we're all familiar with the phrase impulse purchase. They didn't think that one through. Ever done that before? You don't have to raise your hand, okay? Impulse purchase. Well, they didn't use wisdom. They should have taken more of a process. So we, we see the value in that. But when it comes to the most important decision someone will ever make, some of us, again, just picked up along the way, kind of in the water in churches, that if you share your faith really well, they'll respond and ask Jesus in their heart. Now, if they don't do that, that means you didn't share it well. That means you don't know if the Bible, right? And you beat yourself up and then you don't wanna ever share your faith again. So let me kind of show you a way of thinking this through. The first time I ever saw this, I wanted to spike a hymnal. I was so fired up because I was like, yes, someone's giving me some clarity, okay? So I wanna share this with you because I think it's super helpful to see how people respond to the gospel message and process, okay? So this is called the Engel scale, but think of it more like the faith journey. Now, Engel, James Engel was a missionary about 50, 60 years ago. And he discovered this as he shared the gospel in different cultures, that there, was, that there were levels of receptivity to the gospel message based on who he was sharing it with, based on their point of reference, based on their framework, based on their worldview. Can I tell you now all these years later, this is super, help, super helpful if you live in America today that we no longer live in a culture shaped by Judeo-Christian values. I don't have to tell you that. We live in a culture that's pluralistic by nature. People have lots of different perspectives, lots of different viewpoints, and you don't have to live in certain parts of the country to experience that. You can experience that right here in the South, right here in the river region. And what I want you to see as we walk through this is someone who you know, who may not yet be a follower of Jesus is probably somewhere in this process. And it's helpful to begin to identify where are they at? In fact, as I walk through this, maybe you can even begin to think, who's someone you know who doesn't know Jesus? Might be a family member, might be a friend, students, might be a classmate. And can you begin to decipher and discern? I think that's where they're at in this process, okay? So let's kind of talk about that. Sometimes you share your faith with someone and they literally have no framework for God. Now this is about as far away from being ready to receive the gospel where you'll accept it as possible against process. What do I mean by that? Uh, no framework for God. So Morgan and I used to do, uh, we would go over to Eastern Europe and we would teach English to high school students with translators and it was an awesome ministry opportunity. And Eastern Europe's a pretty unique part of the world because we were with teenagers and we were with college students and they were in their 20s. And so they have known a world of freedom since the Eastern Bloc fell in the early 90s, 90, 91. But their parents and grandparents grew up in a communist culture atheistic culture. That's what they were raised in. That's what they were taught. That's their value system. That's their worldview, if you will. So when you start talking about God and Christianity and Jesus, you just have a different starting point. In fact, we were talking to some students one time in their 20s. And I said, I asked a question that I was trying to get a conversation started. I said, so when you think of God, do you think that there are many gods, like lots of different gods that we can identify with? Or do you think that there's one God that we seek to identify with. And the student thought for a second, looked back at Morgan and I and said, I actually think it's a little bit of both. That's a challenging starting point. And yet that was our starting point, okay? So no framework for God, the way that you and I would understand God. Sometimes that's where people are at. Oftentimes people have an experience of emptiness. And God says, God's word says that he's planted the desire for eternity in our hearts. And at some point in everybody's life, they reach a place where they just feel empty, And when you're having a conversation with somebody and that's where they're at, this can be a really good place to start if you can begin to point them to Jesus. Sometimes someone has a vague awareness of Christianity. Sometimes this is helpful, oftentimes it's not because their vague awareness of Christianity, unfortunately, might be some stereotypes that they have been taught about you, okay? Now, here's what happens at that point. You can't be offended, upset, or blame them. You've got to earn their trust, You can be the one Christian in their life that throws off every stereotype they've ever had about you. In fact, do you know that one of the biggest hurdles for people who are far from God to get over in their mind when they get open to the reality of Jesus Christ, one of the biggest hurdles is to actually come to church because for most of their life, they've made fun of us and said, I don't have anything to do with those church people. And now all of a sudden, they're considering coming to church. That's a big step to take, okay? So just know, sometimes you might have to earn some trust along the way. Sometimes you're talking with someone and they have an interest in Christianity. I would say this is super helpful if there's an interest in Jesus. They're open to Jesus. They wanna talk about Jesus. They're not a big fan of the church. They've seen too many things go wrong. But if you could talk about Jesus, that's a really helpful thing. Sometimes they actually have an awareness of the gospel kind of the basic tenets of the gospel. Jesus came at Christmas. He died on the cross for sin. He defeated death through the resurrection. Now, a lot of times the conclusion will be, and that's great for some people, but I think that everybody kind of just gets to make up their own faith journey. And I don't necessarily think that there's exclusivity to that, okay? But at least they have the awareness of the basic tenets of the gospel. Now, just for a second before we continue in this. Most evangelism training that's used in churches today was developed 30, 40, 50 years ago where a lot of American culture existed here. That you could kind of just stop anybody on the street or in a mall or in an airport or somewhere else in the 60s or the 70s. They'd have a pretty good awareness of the gospel because grandmama had drugged them to church when they were a kid, okay? So they had an awareness of the gospel. Can I tell you, that's just not the case anymore. That most people today, they don't have an awareness of the gospel. I know, it's hard to believe that, even here in the South. You can live in your South your whole life and just not have an awareness of the gospel, okay? And that's the challenge with a lot of evangelism training. It just assumes too much. So we've gotta be able to discern where are people at when it comes to their faith journey. Let's continue with the next step. Sometimes people have a positive attitude towards the gospel. That's fantastic. There's an openness. They might actually think that this is really good news. Experience of Christian love. This is so big. In fact, one of the things I love about our church is I think we do this well. I don't, think, I don't think we do everything perfectly. But listen, if you have someone who you're building a relationship with and they have not yet come to a place where they've accepted Jesus Christ into their life as their savior, that friend will be welcome here. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what their political affiliation is. It doesn't matter about any of those things. We will love them. And oftentimes, when someone experiences the love of God's people before they believe like God's people, that's actually what motivates them to be more open to the gospel message. So big. Sometimes folks are just aware, I have a personal need. Like I actually need the gospel message. I need that to be true in my life. Okay. Now, when someone gets there, that's really good because they're getting close to being ready to make a decision. Next, they have a grasp of the implication of the gospel. What are the implications of the gospel? Great question. You can't earn your way to God. No amount of good work, good effort, or good deeds will earn your salvation. Here's the flip side of the coin no amount of evil you've done disqualifies you. That's the implication of the gospel message. And when someone confronts that and it confronts them, they're getting close to a place where they're ready to respond. And then this is where if God ever allows you to be the person in that conversation, you lovingly challenge them. Hey, it's time for you to respond. It has to be your decision. It can't be a decision from your parents, your grandparents, your friend or your spouse or your kids or your parents. It's your decision. Are you ready to make that decision? And then finally, someone reaches a place of repentance and faith. They ask Jesus Christ to come into their life to save them. They're born again. They're in Christ for all of eternity. Their promise is heaven, okay? So what I want you to recognize is it's a process. It's a process. And if you were ever told that the goal of sharing your faith is to experience Conversions, might I challenge you to reframe that? You may share your faith and someone may be converted. Praise God. But rather than get hung up on that conversions, let me challenge you. Measure conversations. Measure conversations. See, if you think the goal is just conversion, it might be too much then to ever start the conversation. Or maybe you tried that one time, someone didn't get converted. You think you did it wrong. Now you don't want to do it again. Hey, measure, bring up conversations. Sometimes we're so fearful, we don't, even talk, we don't even talk about our faith. We don't even try to figure out where is this person at in their faith journey and how can I work my faith into the conversation? And if you do that in God's sovereign way, he may be moving that person along further to the place where he or she is ready to receive Jesus Christ as their savior. So I got a next step for you today. The next step is to get this angle scale. Now, you don't have to write all this out, okay? But on the prayer request line on your connection card, will you just write Engle scale or write angle or write scale? We will know what you mean by that. And I want to send this to you. I want to send this to you in the mail. We're probably going to make this a bookmark. We might make it a magnet. We might get crazy and do both, okay? But I want to send this to you so you have it as a reminder. That as you read God's word, as you go through your devotion, you look at that bookmark and you pray for the people in your life who don't know God and you ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit, hey, give me some discernment. Where are they at? Where are they at in their faith journey? And how can I meet them where they're at to point them to Jesus? I wanna send that to you. I hope it'll be a helpful, encouraging resource. All right, let's finish up our passage for today. Starting in verse 39. At that time, what time? Gabriel's gone. Remarkable. An angel shows up and tells Mary all this. The angel leaves. Look what happens after the angel leaves. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now we got Zechariah and Elizabeth back in the story. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. How amazing is that? That's a sermon in and of itself, that John the Baptist leaped in her womb six months into pregnancy. Awesome. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It continues. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. Isn't that awesome? It wasn't when Gabriel, an angel, told her these things. It's when Elizabeth told her these things. That's when she's ready to rejoice. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Here's the last principle I want you to jot down today from this conversation. Mary responds with confidence after experiencing the encouragement of a friend. I think it's my favorite part of the story. When she's encouraged by Elizabeth, it's like she finally takes a deep breath. It's like she's finally at peace with this, with this good news that God has brought to her in her life. And doesn't that play out in our lives as well? That if you're in the process of sharing your faith with someone, can can I encourage you to be an encouragement to them? If God brings someone into your life who's a new believer, hey, can you be an encourager? So many people think that Christians have it all together, that we figured it all out, that we never have any issues and we're ever any problem. Man, that's just not true. And if that's what you've been told about God's people, uh, let me clarify a few things. We're not perfect. We just worship a perfect Savior who's rescued and redeemed us by grace and we didn't earn it and we don't deserve it. And we keep walking by grace every day. Can I tell you what that means? We take two steps forward and one step back. We don't have it all together. In fact, I tell people all the time, if you're perfect, please don't join our church. You will ruin it for the rest of us, okay? We do not have it all together. We are not a perfect people. We've just been rescued and redeemed by a perfect Savior. And as we encourage one another, oftentimes that's the encouragement we need to take the next step forward in our faith, just like we see from Mary. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come out. They're gonna lead us in a time of response. And we typically do this at the end of our services, if you're new, to give you an opportunity to respond in worship, but to also respond in prayer, talking to God specifically about what he has laid on your heart to do today. And as you do that today, can I challenge you to maybe also consider asking God, who is that person in my life, God? Students, who is that student? Who is that person? Is it a family member that you're gonna see in a few weeks around Christmas? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? Is it a friend? Who do you know who doesn't know Jesus? And maybe as you respond in worship today, God can move in your heart with this really helpful reminder. He's rescued you to point them to him. He has you in their life for a reason they may be more ready to meet Jesus than you recognize. But maybe in these next few moments, you could talk to God about that. And he could begin to remind you, he's the one that rescued you and saved you. You're not moving forward in your own strength, but in his. And so as we pray together this morning, would you ask God to show you who that is in your life? And so God, that's my prayer right now. That as your people, we'd recognize that we've been saved. And wow, that's an amazing thing. And while we rejoice in that, may we never get so caught up in that that we miss how you want to use us to point others to you as well. And God, for many of us, that's a challenge because we're surrounded by people who are hostile to faith, they're hostile to the gospel, they're hostile to Christians, they're, they've been burned, they've been hurt. And we just want to show them the love of Jesus. And God, for some of us, sometimes it's just hard to figure out what step we need to take to do that. So God, maybe as we sing this morning, you could clarify that in our heart. God, my prayer for those who we're thinking of right now and praying for right now is that we would see them meet your son, Jesus, very soon and celebrate that with them as a church family. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.